It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I'm Malia White, real-life bosun and cast member on Bravo's Below Deck Med. Working in my industry can be very interesting. These are my stories. As you'll find out, my world is a total ship show. Welcome back to Total Ship Show. I'm Malia. I'm Amanda. And today we have some very cool guests from the Sea Shepherd. We've got Chris and Simon. Hi, guys. Hey, guys. How are you? Hi from Mexico. Ooh, where in Mexico are you guys? Uh, we're in Ensenada right now. Oh, I love that area. It's so nice. Um, do you want to tell us what you're doing in Mexico? So Simon and I are here on the sailing vessel Martin Sheen. Uh, we are preparing to leave on Friday to go out to Guadalupe Island. Oh. Uh, we're bringing some uh, government Mexican scientists and then um, some uh, NOAA scientists out. And their, their primary study out there is the Cuvier's beaked whale. Oh, wow. That's awesome. This sounds epic. And this is a conservation uh, to save these whales, right? Uh, this particular one is to collect research. Uh, one of the primary things that they want to be doing is uh, we're going to bring a bunch of like um, acoustical uh, instruments out and we'll sort of tow them around, we'll deploy them, and then they really want to record the sound of these these sort of strange whales because they don't these whales go down for like two or three hours at a time and then they come up for 10 minutes and then they go down so there's not much known about them uh but you can kind of track them and you can they can id them through uh through their the sounds oh wow, wow. that's amazing are these whales all over the world or are they only in that part of of like the pacific ocean off the coast of mexico the cuvier's cuvier's beak whales are found pretty much around this area but there's I want to say like 27 different species of beaked whales that are found around the world. Uh, this this one just happens to be, this is the group and this is their niche um, for these guys, for the Cuvier's ones. Okay. And guys, so your positions on the boat, I know, Chris, you've been everything from like a deckhand to a bosun to a mate to a captain. What will you be out there? Uh, I'll be the captain. Uh, and then Simon is the photographer. Yeah, Simon, I follow you on Instagram, and I, your photos are absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your photos are so awesome. That's so cool. So, do you, when you're photographing, are you going down and diving to photograph the whales? Well, we were out here, I think maybe a year ago, two years ago, doing the similar campaign, and uh, the beaked whales at about six o'clock in the morning showed up right next to the ship. So uh, nobody was was really prepared for that. So it was basically jump over the side in a pair of shorts and a t-shirt with a GoPro <laughs> and just uh, get thrown a mask and you just hope you can grab something, which I did. 
at the time. And it, sometimes it's just like that. You just don't know what you're going to get. You can, on some campaigns, you, it's primarily diving and you're going for something specific. And this one will probably be uh, a snorkel, but maybe not because we are going to Guadalupe and it's full of great white sharks. So mm-hmm. oh. I don't know if we'll uh, be in the water for this one. You know? There's a lot of sharks in Guadalupe. <laughs> so well, going in the water is really by accident normally. Well, actually, <laughs> that's the whole reason I want to go to Guadalupe. They have an amazing great white dive don't they right that's right i'd love to do that yeah they Um, swim around oh it's wild oh that's oh yeah i guess yeah that would scare me (laughs) so simon what's probably as a fellow diver i'm super passionate about scuba diving and all the marine species obviously but what's probably the coolest thing you've been in the water with i know it's a tough question for, for locations i mean geez uh actually the coolest thing i've been in the water i mean i love my sharks yeah. So same. I've been in the water with all of them, the ones that are supposed to be man eaters. I mean, I've been right next to tiger sharks, uh, bull sharks, uh, which is more aggressive than great whites, uh, Caribbean reefs. And so, I mean, I love that stuff. I mean, I, I, I love whales, but there's something really unique about the, the different species of sharks out there and just how they behave, you know. And it's really nice to be next to them, right next to them, and prove the. Uh, prove it wrong that they're they're man eaters you know because they're, they're not you know so it's nice to still be around to have all my fingers and toes and, and make that point yeah i agree i'm super passionate about sharks as well and i i actually just got to do uh i got to just dive with great hammerheads oh nice and my favorite shark yeah <laughs> i think i think they might be mine now too i've dealt with um uh tigers a lot in hawaii obviously but i've yes. never seen a hammerhead like that and i'm blown away by them where did you go for that one that was Bimini. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's where I did the tiger sharks down yeah. there. So yeah, that, yeah. That's a good spot for both of those. So. Okay, guys, so we have to ask you. We know, <laughs> so I obviously worked on a reality TV show, Below Deck, uh, about yachting, but uh, you, your world, Sea Shepherd, has become famous because of whale wars, right? All this conservation. So can you give us an insider's take on it all? Simon can because he was there. <laughs> yeah, so Simon, you're like on like the longest boat chase, right? They want a confession. They want a confession. Is that what you're asking? Is blow decks confessions? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, confessions of whale wars. But you were involved in like the longest boat chase, right? I was. The I was, thunder. Uh, yeah, 110 days over 10,000 miles. So wow without seeing land. So that was, a, that was a good mental test for everybody, I think. And what we see on t- like the things that come out on the TV, is that the full story? Is there is there crazy shit that happens behind the scenes that, I mean. <laughs> I think it's like your show, maybe. I mean, things, no get, things get edited. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No comment. No comment. Mo- yeah. Most yeah. of it's probably sitting on the boat, like, okay, well, you know, we're just going in this direction. And then they edit it just and get get all of the action shots thrown into an hour. <laughs> well, I mean, with things like whale wars and stuff, I mean, obviously it's three months you're out there and the, you're not in the action every day. So yeah. you've only got limited time in, in your TV episodes. So it's a very compressed time frame, which is probably the same experience for you. You know, they pick cherry pick all the the good stuff and make uh, smaller stories out of it, you know, because uh, there's a whole lot of nothing going on when you're out there for three months. You maybe have maybe 10 days of full-on action out of that whole time right and then at the same time that you guys are filming there's other vessels like chris were you on a different vessel during this time or uh i've been on pretty much almost all of them at this stage um simon and i met on a boat called the bridge of bardot which was that was one that was 
part of the whale wars. That was five years ago. And then we did a lot of, um, you know, looking for illegal longliners and there was some, or some interesting stuff to come, come out of that. Simon jumping in and looking at filming sharks that were on hooks and, you know, there there was some pretty interesting stuff going on when we were doing that a few years ago. Yeah. So so what happens when you like encounter these guys? Anything can happen when you encounter these guys. You need to be really sort of uh, on point with, with, with some of them because what, you know, they know what they're doing nine times out of 10 is not right. And then you start putting drones up and you get, you know, hundred meters away they're not that happy about it. So yeah. sometimes they'll sort of try to intimidate you by driving quickly at you or um, uh, a lot of the yeah, throw things. Um, they can do anything. You know, normally you have, you could spend two or three days trying to find one and then you probably have 10 minutes to film it before they, they cut the line, drive away or, or something like that. So, um, and it's, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting because you need to try to sneak up on them. And as you would know, that's not easy yeah. in the blue desert to hide. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there well, are ways. There are ways. <laughs> and one question, too, you know, like like you guys right now are, are looking at these whales that are down off the coast of Mexico. And then you're also doing these different expeditions where you're, like, looking for um, people who are doing illegal fishing. Is it... Like when you go on an expedition, are you like, okay, we're going to be gone for like three weeks and we're going to try to get these guys during these three weeks? Or is it just sort of like all over the place, unexpected kind of schedule when you're doing that? It can be either or. Uh, for example, uh, I think with the Thunder, you, you knew what you were looking for. And then yeah, yeah, Antarctica, was, you knew yeah. they were, what they were looking for. That was pre-planned probably right. a year before that time going down there to find those guys mm-hmm. there, are, there are some other campaigns uh where it's where it's um you know you're you're outside um basically kind of just looking uh you may have an idea that there may be some sort of um understanding of where they could be there's a lot of collaboration with governments now um which is yeah. which is you know a pretty pretty vast change from the days of whale wars you know there's there's almost nothing that we don't do that we don't have uh permission from the governments to to sort of do so it's the the vigilante stuff is really uh it's become a lot more formalized i, I should say um and, and with the collaborations is that is that a good thing do you think it's good that, like governments are stepping in are they helping or are they making it more difficult for you guys to kind of do what you want to do it's great. It's great. It's great. Um, because then, you know, it sort of opens up their eyes. A lot of the countries that we work in, they don't necessarily have, you know, the, the boats, the vessels to go out and do it. So, you know, we can offer to help. And then also that they may not understand the entire scope of what's going on. And so we can kind of educate them. Uh, and the best way to educate them is to either bring them out with us or show them the footage. And then they sort of say, oh, we don't really want to be known for this. And then they sort of um, it changes. You know, one of the one of the success stories now is the Vaquita porpoise. Yeah, um, they've been going there since what? Well, it's eight years. Two thousand fifteen. Um, I think it's down to ten left. Uh, it had originally started with Sea Shepherd pulling nets, and sort of it got a bit violent. And it's actually changed now, where uh, the Sea Shepherd boats are still there, but they don't have to go into the the marine reserve and pull nets because the government is actually the Coast Guard has sort of taken an initiative there. Um, and then actually just a week ago, 
Um, There's a woman named Barbara Taylor, who's actually coming with us tomorrow. She's the sort of the lead Bakita scientist of the world. Um, had published some articles that have, that have been accepted that um, they're not necessarily going to be extinct. They're showing signs that they're capable of recovering um, through their genes. They can actually inbreed without mutations and this sort of thing. So, so to see that article come out last week, um, and I was just showing Simon, uh, like National Geographic has published it and oh, talking nice. about it. So, so it's a great success story that, you know, when, when people understand it a little bit and now, and now the Mexican Ghost Guard can take some pride and be like, yeah, we helped protect this species. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Yeah, that's amazing because you guys are, in, I guess, like you're saying, it's educating local governments so that they can kind of step in and create their own system for what's going to work in their areas. Right. Well, I think it's a win-win because I started doing this back in 2010 and that was before we had any agreements with governments. And we are direct action. And I think that was the appeal for me was that we get in the middle of it and mix it up with whoever we're going up against. And it's great fun kind of spending, you know, hours like throwing smoke grenades or whatever. You know, it's like being 16 and, you know, goofing off, if you want to call it that. I mean, it's a bit of uh, venting your anger, I guess, at what the bad people are doing. But at the end of the day, you can't bring them to any kind of conviction without having uh, government uh, contracts. So this where we are now it allows us to actually see these uh, boats being brought in and the uh, the companies being fined for their illegal activities you know whereas before we were pretty much out there we were getting it in the media as things are going on and whatnot but you can't convict these guys you know right yeah i mean as you see with yachting as well i mean there's so many people protecting a lot of these you know yacht owners or commercial fishing and it's hard to get to the actual source sometimes. Yeah. Do you guys find that based on the geographical location of where you are, like you guys get more support maybe from the, you know, the U.S. government or the Mexican government, hypothetically, over some other areas? So you tend to spend more time in those areas because of the government support? Uh, if we have an agreement with someone, we'll certainly spend time there. Um you know, it takes it takes a lot of time and effort and patience to, to develop these. You know, there's a whole team that sort of works on developing these these relationships. Um, and it's u- usually because there's there's a problem that we've highlighted and then we explain it and then ask if we can come and help and work with them um, in order to, to, to sort of achieve that. But I think there are countries where, like Japan, we're not exactly welcome. Right. Or yeah, the, uh, I was going to yeah, say. The Faroe Islands above uh, Scotland, as well as another place where we're really not welcome back anytime soon yeah. So, uh, yeah. you, know, you make enemies yeah. doing this 
Yeah. yeah, I can imagine. Speaking of enemies, we always love to ask people their craziest sea stories. And I'm sure you two are going to have some that are up there. <laughs> crazy stories? Like, what, what kind of crazy stories? Just the <laughs> wildest thing you might yep. have encountered at sea. Um, I mean, the, the, I guess I've, if I had nine lives like Academy, and I've used a, a heap of them just doing the Antarctic campaigns. I mean, it's dangerous being down there and going up against harpoon boats when you're in the Zodiac and near misses yeah. in that respect. And then jumping on the, the sinking vessel, the thunder going down into the engine area and the pitch black and, and uh, just seeing the water bubbling up, that kind of thing. And you just don't know if the boat's going to go upend on you and you're going down three miles to a watery grave, you know? So there's that kind of. Right. Cause the thunder was, was so essentially the thunder was illegal fishing. You guys caught up to it after this, extremely long chase and then it started sinking well yeah probably well, purposefully I mean, sinking right yeah i mean we were for the whole duration of following these guys wondering how this was going to play out and obviously we wanted them just to run out of fuel and have to go into a port somewhere so they could be arrested and uh, i just remember getting off watch at four or five o'clock in the morning and then an hour later there's a knock on my cabin door and this guy tells me that everyone's jumping off the boat into life rafts. It's they've put out a mayday that it's sinking, and uh, it's just the disbelief at the time. You know, you go up to the bridge and you see all these guys literally throwing life rafts in and getting off a ship, and, and a few hours later it goes down. You know, so it was quite bizarre and a little sad that it ended that way, but it was kind of a relief that it also ended after 110 days at sea. You know. Yeah. And Simon, you were jumping on onto the thunder to try and gather evidence so that these guys could be like somewhat convicted or correct. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, I was out there in the Zodiac just photographing all these guys in the uh, life rafts. And then uh, Captain Peter Hampstead wanted our chief engineer and uh, chief mate to go on board the thunder once all the crew had departed to see if we could save the vessel from sinking. And obviously I wanted in on that. And, uh, yeah, so three of us boarded this uh, vessel that started to list over and, uh, you know, you're just running around trying to collect uh, the charts, mo mobile phones and anything else uh, related to illegal activity, which they stupidly didn't throw over the side. And it was all there for the taking on the bridge. Oh, my gosh. And we're running around in the dark trying to find the freezers for the actual fish. Without that, we have nothing. Right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we found it. We were in the pitch black with a like a head torch, oh you know, and then our crew's telling us to get off the boat because it's listing over. And yeah. uh, so it was, it's crazy. I mean, you do some of these things and then you look back on it in uh, hindsight and, uh, and you wonder if you would do it again. <laughs> and I probably would because I'm I got that kind of mentality. Again. You know, I, I like being in the middle of the action. I mean, I joined yeah. Yeah. because we do direct action and we get in the thick of it. And that's part of the draw for me is it's, it's a, I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie as well with that I guess I, I, would, I like yeah just a bit and even. you talk about it so nonchalant we're like <laughs> yeah like oh, the ship is to talk about it I guess so <laughs> it's the crew easy were to like get off <laughs> yeah geez, but wow. I guess in that case it paid off because they eventually went to jail right? yeah we I mean it's off South May and they got arrested and then I had to go back to the court with uh, Captain Hammerstead and Captain uh, Sid Chakravarty and give evidence of what we'd found. So it was kind of uh, a bit surreal to sit right next to these guys in a courtroom. You know, there's nothing separating us. And wow. I just remember the second engineer just looking at us uh, 
like he'd slit our throats if he got us in a back alley somewhere, you know, he just had that look of just complete hate for us. And, uh, the, uh, I remember the captain running across the room and trying to punch me in the face because oh I was taking photos. And he was this little guy who was about four and a half feet tall and took a swing at me and just put my hand on his chest and held him back, you know. And, uh, oh, my gosh. So it was, it in was the quite courtroom. Scary. Yeah, yeah. And then they ended up bringing in some armed police to stand in the corner yeah. just to keep everything normal, you know. Wow. That is wild. That is so Definitely beats wild. all my yachting stories. <laughs> <laughs> and Captain Chris, do you have a crazy story for us? That's hard. That's hard to follow. <laughs> I mean, it's hard for anyone to follow that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've had some few interesting encounters with shark fishermen. Wave, like, uh, I think you were on the boat, actually, Simon. I think we were about twelve hundred miles offshore, and we had we had finally caught up to one. And uh, I think we probably spent like an hour or two hours of figure of eights while they were trying to hit us. Oh my gosh. And uh, eventually we sort of got away and then sort of followed him around for a while. But uh, the boat we were on, it didn't turn very well because of what it was. It was a trimaran. So uh, luckily the other, the captain of the fishing boat didn't know it didn't turn very well. So I could sort of stay ahead of him yeah. while we just sort of like went and figure of eights for an hour. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Jeez. It was interesting. Yeah, he was singing on the VHF radio to us and trying to hit us. It was bizarre. It was a bit surreal. Oh, my gosh. Well, I uh, I tripped off the sidewalk taking my trash out last week. So oh my, God. <laughs> my, life, my life is crazy. Too. <laughs> this is life at, on sea versus land. Um, when those shark fishermen, is this primarily for shark finning? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. And there's, yeah. So. Um, some of the stuff we were doing was going out into, you probably heard of the big squid fleet in the Pacific. Mm. Um, they, they had sort of encircled the Galapagos Islands a couple years ago. Um, Simon and I have been out there a few times in that squid fleet, and it's quite harrowing when you're in there. It's like, it's, um, uh, you, you can kind of imagine if you're if you're offshore and you're out there for a while, uh, well, yeah, you, you, you probably understand, like when you're getting back to shore and you see the loom of light, you're like, you get that feeling of you're coming into land again. Yeah. And you're yeah. like mentally preparing. It has that feeling at nighttime, but you're like a thousand miles offshore. It's just the most bizarre situation. You um, know what? I think I've seen these boats actually. They have giant lights. They do. The they conveyors. Yeah. And there's like, it. like, it seems like hundreds of them. It's hundreds. Yeah. yeah. It's hundreds. Because we were we were navigating in, near the Galapagos. This is like a couple years ago, and we were out in the middle of nowhere, and all of a sudden, all these boats popped up. Yes, exactly. and we were like, "This doesn't seem right." Yeah, and I think someone on our boat was actually like, "We should report them," because you know, I was I was like a junior deckhand at the time, so I didn't have really any clue what was going on. But I just remember thinking, like, "This is something's wrong." That sounds so eerie. It was like looking it's at stadium eerie. lights. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You think it's a city, yeah. but you're you're not even remotely close to land, so it's it's a strange thing. Uh, and then you go in the middle of it. We were driving around in the middle of it, you know, taking photos and filming them, and it's it's just uh, hard to explain how weird yeah. how weird it is. And, it, and and you're like you know you're like this this isn't right. Like this is not a sustainable like there's this is wrong. You could just it's not right. Right. And so when you're when you're in the middle of that, are these other people on the boats like are they looking at you? Like, do they know that you guys are there to stop them? And 
oh, we're probably like 50 meters away from them. Yeah, okay. we're next. Yeah, they no. don't like anyone videoing or. Well, yeah, yeah, I would imagine, but I'm just yeah. interested, like, if there's ever any. I mean, the deckhands are primarily probably from Asia, you know, Indonesians and Filipinos, so they really have no interest in what we're about you know it's more the the officers and things that are the ones that really care yeah about what we're doing there yeah and i mean as chris mentioned earlier drones and things and sneaking up on these vessels i mean that was the, the very case there was being off mexico and a, a vessel had a license for uh tuna but when we got close with the drone we could see they were pulling sharks yeah. and as soon as they saw the drone they started cutting the sharks off they cut the line took off and we ended up spending, I don't know, almost a day pulling in, I don't know how many miles of ten, line, ten, 10 miles of line by hand with no machinery, pulling off, you know, dead sharks and, and whatnot. So this, the, the amount of legal fishing is just, it's, it's insane, you know, and we're just lucky we caught this one boat out of, you know, thousands that are out there doing yeah. the same that thing. That one we had know? just stumbled upon. We were way out. And that was, a, that was actually a random uh random find we were actually headed somewhere else i was like oh what are they doing oh dear oh no yeah it's heartbreaking to hear like how common and kind of like such a wide-scale operation that illegal fishing is it's sophisticated i think people a lot of people think it's boats out there just fishing for sharks it is a very sophisticated well-oiled machine that is operating with refueling provisioning transferring cargo transferring crew and no one really knows like how it's actually working. That's the, there's no reporting, so you don't. No one yeah. really knows. There's no numbers. There's no. There's nothing. But I think that actually you're talking about that. But the toughest thing is actually going to a country like Costa Rica where it's legal to mm -hmm. fish sharks. And we did this, and we sat in front of a vessel, and that's heartbreaking. You know, I love sharks, and you can't do anything about it. It's legal, and we're watching them pull sharks onto the deck off of long lines and dispatching them you know and they, that's tough to watch you know and, and knowing that's perfectly okay in that country it's just not right this episode is brought to you by reese's peanut butter cups in breaking news leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate however it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the reese's because when you want something sweet you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I worked in Hawaii for a while, and I remember, like, they were saying, you know, like, a manta ray can get killed and chopped up and sold for bits, and it'll maybe bring in a couple hundred dollars. But mm -hmm. the revenue in Hawaii for a manta ray is $1 million off of tourism, like for right. each manta ray and it's like it, it's education it's you know if you can come see these animals underwater and just photograph them it brings in a lot more money i think that's it i mean part of it is poverty as well i mean we've been to a lot of places and poverty breeds desperation yeah as well so that's a, a big reason for why a lot of this happens i think yeah. you know uh, so it, yeah. people need a lot more help to steer them away from these kind of uh tragic solutions to their lives you know yeah so what do you guys have like any big upcoming projects that you guys are working on obviously right now you're in in mexico but is there anything really big that you guys have coming up for conservation efforts that you want people to know about i don't know i get cold in at the last minute <laughs> <laughs> like we need a photographer where's that guy you know where is he at so yeah 
They just need the crazy guy that's going to jump on the ships when they're sinking and (laughs) get the evidence. Uh, There's still, you know, there's some things they're working on. Uh, We'll be doing a lot of this whale whale research through the summer. There's another whale that that has washed up on the shores of Southern California, uh, dead over the years, maybe half a dozen since the 70s. So they know it exists, but no one's ever seen one alive. So we're going to go look look around for that um, this summer. And then, uh, you know, the Vaquita program, the Operation Milagro, that's that's still ongoing. Um, and that, that's getting a lot more traction now. So that they're going to sort of still kind of pursue that and, um, you know, keep people educated on that. Um, so stay tuned for it. Yeah. yeah but awesome. I mean, Sea Shepherd's huge and you have different chapters right. around the world. Yeah. And not necessarily on boats. I mean, you've got Costa Rica for turtles and uh, Ecuador, places like that. So there's a lot of smaller Sea Shepherd branches that are doing their own campaigns that I only hear about them when you read about it on the Sea Shepherd website, you know, so there's so much going on yeah. everywhere. I mean, I just came back from Brazil. Sea Shepherd Brazil did their first campaign campaign for the Pink River Dolphins, which are being uh, fished and uh, used as bait to catch uh, a catfish, which is being sol- uh, sold in Colombia. So, oh, you know, they're killing dolphins to catch a catfish. And it's yeah, just insane. So there's all these kind of campaigns going on. It's ex- ever expanding. Well, well I know I'm yeah. I'm trying to join Sea Shepherd on one of their expeditions soon. I just got to find a little three-month stint. I can come jump <laughs> yeah. on a boat. <laughs> this one's a short one. You could come on this one. So yeah, this is uh, 11 days. <laughs> oh, really? I should have yeah. come on this one. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, every I, time I, I ask, they're like, oh, months. three months. I'm like, I don't know if I can go three months, but I'm, I'd be down for a short one for sure. <laughs> you know who to contact. Yeah, for sure. Well, we know you guys are busy and we don't want to keep you away from uh, saving every all the species out there. So. Yeah, but thank you so much. And what you guys are doing is so inspiring. It's really yeah. cool that there's all these different branches of Sea Shepherd and people that care about it all over the world. It's pretty amazing. So thank you for sharing your time with us and sharing your stories with us. Yeah, and we're hoping with, you know, like through podcasts like this and through your guys' message, we can help with conservation to save, you know, all of our favorite animals. Sharks, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. For sure, the sharks. Keep yeah. diving. Keep diving. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So thanks, so, guys. And safe yeah. sailing out there. Yep. Thank thanks. you so you much. Can always learn, you can always learn more. Go look at uh, seashepherd.org. That's where, that's where everything gets sort of published. Perfect. Seashepherd.org. Awesome. And I'll be out there with you soon, Captain Chris. I promise. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you. That's so cool. So badass. It's so crazy. It makes the building seem. A Huda Media Production.